Welcome to Arnie Geddon. I'm Cam Smith. And I'm Tony G. And we're here this time with a special mini episode, a bonus episode, if you will, on Escape Plan 2, Hades. I'm just going to cut right in here. It's not going to be much of a bonus. Uh, (laughs) It wasn't for me watching it. Oh, God. This movie sucks. Now, I will say, I was interested going in... To see how they might expand the world of Escape Plan. We reviewed Escape Plan recently, and it was a fun movie. Like, I enjoyed it. And so I kind of went in being like, okay, well, it's the same writer, Miles Chapman, who co-wrote the first one. He's written all these Escape Plan movies. So, like, you know, he, he's there. Stallone's there. What could go wrong? Fif- question mark? 50 cents there. 50 cents there. Dave Bautista is being brought in. They recast uh, Amy Ryan with Jamie King, but... Uh, Lydia Hall, who plays the secretary, is still there. So yeah, so this movie uh, was not released in theaters or had a very limited release, at least here in North America, although apparently it did get some screen time in like Bulgaria sure. and Russia and yeah. parts of Asia. Yeah, because the foreign um, box office on the first escape plan was quite strong. So it was pretty much all foreign money paying for this thing. And... Um, you, it's kind of evident when you see some of the actors that are being showcased, you know, that it was more it's more trying to appeal to a foreign market than a North American market. But, uh, Tony, what did you think of Escape Plan 2 Hades? Well, I think I already gave it away. Yeah, you did, but uh, maybe yeah, expand on that. This movie is horrible. <laughs> if I hadn't been watching it specifically to do this episode of the podcast, I would have turned it off after about 30 minutes. Yeah. Um... The action is poorly directed. It, it looks like someone took a camera and put it in a dryer with a bunch of shoes. Yeah. Um, the plot of the movie, like, I had no idea at any point really what was happening. It, it, it's like it was written by uh, a 12-year-old child who had gone insane. <laughs> and then the, the actress that you actually want to see, who in a lot of cases can be very talented actors 50 cent <laughs> yeah fitty's back uh but they're just totally wasted if they're there at all like i i really actually genuinely wonder whether dave bautista who's like second build on this movie was on set for more than two days do you think he was supposed to be schwarzenegger like a part of me wondered if that was a schwarzenegger role that they recast with bautista Maybe. I, I don't know if they approached Schwarzenegger about this film, but if he, if he turned it down, he made the right call. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, like Stallone's barely in this thing. Yeah, uh, so I watched this, actually, I think a night before you did, and I thought it was horrendous. Like, I can sit through really bad movies. I do it quite frequently. This thing just was a chore. There was a point where I was bored out of my mind, and I thought, okay, well, we have to be getting to the end of this thing. And I checked my phone, and it had been 35 minutes. And I was like, oh my god. It's not that it's just, like, badly written, and, like, the acting is terrible. It's just, at its basic technical level, incompetent. (laughs) There's a point, like, this really was, like, the central showcase for me in how inept this movie was. 
where a character is kicking someone else and you see the foot moving towards the left side of the screen. It's like, you know, it's increasing in speed from right to left. And then it <laughs> cuts quickly to the foot hitting someone towards the right. <laughs> like it reverses the direction the kick is going in with a cut. It's idiotic. Yeah, there's all kinds of scenes like that. I think the one that did it for me was this new character, Shu, uh, played by Xiao Ming Huang, is uh, been locked in some prison and 50 Cent and Sylvester Stallone are trying to find him. Yeah. Uh, and and Jesse Metcalf is in this movie too as a, a some guy called Luke. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, we should say maybe <laughs> what this movie is loosely about. Okay, there's a bunch of people in it. Yeah. Uh, you can never really tell what they're doing or why. Basically, Ray Breslin has a team that he is not part of. They're at an operation at the start. It kind of goes wrong. They go back. He chews them out. And then, uh, yeah, sh the character Shu winds up getting trapped in this high security prison. And, uh, he's got to figure out how to get out of there. But just kind of coincidentally, he's out protecting his cousin. Yeah, his cousin is like a tech genius who's... Even just talking about the plot is making me angry. <laughs> he's created some sort of satellite array or something or other. And he has multiple patents. And he's concerned the bad guys are going to get hold of the patents. Oh, this, <laughs> this movie's stupid. Anyways, um, uh, yeah, uh, both these guys wind up in the prison. And Shu has to figure out how to break out using a voiceover by Stallone. <laughs> yeah, Stallone's not even in this movie for like the first 45 minutes. He shows up... In like one scene where he's like playing Go and just spouting a bunch of like very generic yeah, advice, generic like, but advice that you couldn't even follow. Like he's just like, uh, what you gotta do is you gotta surround things and then think about things, and then uh, once you've got a thought about, you gotta be yourself. <laughs> know your environment and let your environment know you. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> give me a break. Um. Sorry, I'm I should probably... I, I can feel my heart right. rate, rate increasing here just talking about this. Um, and I'm like you. I've got a real patience. Maybe not even a patience. I've got a real affection for bad movies. We reviewed some on the show and uh, enjoyed talking about them. Yeah, but <laughs> I, did, I did not enjoy this movie. And I was in the same boat as you. Or I think I actually... You had watched the movie a day before I did. And I messaged you... And I thought I was like halfway through the movie, yeah. uh, maybe a little more. And I was like, this movie sucks. I'm about halfway through. Do I have to finish this? Yeah. And you wrote me back and you started saying a bunch of stuff. I was like, well, I haven't seen that. Right. And then you're like, oh, I thought you said you were halfway through. And I checked and I was like 25 minutes into this movie. It just dragged. Yeah. And it's weird because it drags and yet it's really hyperkinetic and never stops with like rapid cut action. This like throbbing score that really aggravated me as it kept going throughout the movie. It's like a dentist drill in your ear. <laughs> but like they just keep throwing things in. Like there's a character, you know, you referenced him. Jesse Metcalf plays Luke, who's a member of the team. And, like, out of nowhere, you have this scene of, like, Stallone talking to Shu or whatever. Who knows what they're talking about. Are you going to talk about the car chase? Yes. And it just cuts it, randomly to a car chase. Well, I was I was going to bring that up. And yeah. then you talked about your example of how incompetent this film was. So, okay. So, it, yeah. What, what did you have to say about the car chase? Well, one, it, it, yeah, it was a really weird cut. You're like, what's going on here? 
And it took me like a, probably a solid minute to even understand who was in these cars. Yeah, it basically cuts to uh, to Luke being like, hey, I'm uh, following the guys who did it. Gotta go. <laughs> and you're like, wait, who did what? <laughs> like, we, we never really know who's behind the satellite thing at that point. So it's like, huh? What's going on? Yeah. Um, and to, to, again, shine a highlight on uh, the caliber of this movie. These are two cars. They are um, driving, in quotations, fast. Um, but not furious. Yeah. And a lot of what they're driving on is like gravel lot. Yeah. And there's just tires squealing constantly. Uh, <laughs> but of course, you know, tires only squeal on pavement. <laughs> it's just that kind of uh, level of film here. I don't know. If, I don't know. If film is probably the wrong word. Yeah, well, and you know, they didn't have a lot of area to shoot that chase because the Luke character winds up in like, like a garage or something. And he's like, oh, I'm caught. <laughs> Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's unfortunate. Well, where's he going to go? <laughs> yeah. Probably the same bad prison set that they have throughout. There's there's another scene where uh, Stallone, or Ray Breslin, starts to get a little bit more involved. And he goes to meet Dave Bautista for the first time in a bar. Yeah. And then at some point, uh, two people come into the bar. And Dave Bautista says something like, oh, friends of yours? Yeah. And Stallone says, I'll make an introduction. Yeah. And then they go over to meet them, and then some more guys in masks come, who look awfully similar to the same guys in masks that had appeared earlier in the film and been shot. And they got the impression they were recycling the same four stuntmen here. Probably. And then they just start shooting everyone, uh, and these guys unfortunately get killed. And I still, I had no idea who they were at any point in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I guess they worked for uh, the character of... Um... Jasper Kimbrell, who's played by Wes Chatham, he's a member of Breslin's team at the start who screws up and gets one of the people killed and is sort of the disgraced member and then turns out to be the guy running this absurd prison we'll get to in a second. And so I guess all these people work for him? I don't know. I, the whole thing is baffling. I didn't know what was going on. But um, what did you think of the prison? Because... Most of the movie follows uh, Zhao Ming Huang's character, who, I mean, let's be honest, he's the star of the movie. He has the most screen time. The movie is about him. And uh, Stallone and Bautista are just small supporting roles. Like, this really is the Shu story. So, like, what did you think of the prison Shu finds himself in? Lame. Uh, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it sure looked like a low-budget movie set, didn't it? It did, yes. Yes, it definitely went for the high-tech look that the first one had... But the space they were working in was very small. You know, about as much you could fit inside, like, a Bulgarian warehouse. Exactly. And we talked a little bit about it in our last episode where we did uh, the original Escape Plan, where there's a lot of conceits in that movie. There's a lot of uh, movie illogic just being thrown out like snack-sized candies off a parade float. Uh, <laughs> but... This movie, it's the same thing. I mean, the movie is totally illogical. But Escape Plan, I kind of bought it. I was like, you know what? I'm willing to let this movie take me along for the ride. Yeah. And this one, it was just so irritating. I wasn't really willing to give it any uh, any rope at all. I mean, this, this prison seems like a pretty horrible place because... Uh, People push a button at some point and then all of the prisoners just start getting electrocuted. That happens about... Ten times. The, the electricity is different colors at different times. And it's uh, all CG and all bad. Yeah, there's an electric meal plate. Yeah. Um, there's 
uh, electric force field doors that the the poor actors had had to just like swing their arms in the air and pretend to be pounding on while yelling a whole bunch it it seemed like my favorite bit is that they pit prisoners against each other at random points where they have to have a fight and the winner gets to go to the serenity room which is like a virtual reality kind of room where they go to like paint yeah it's really really dumb it's idiotic (laughs) (laughs) like if i've been punched in the face like five times to win this, like, you know, to win the serenity time. The last thing I want to do is go in there and, like, sit down at an, at an easel and start painting a flower. Yeah, I'd probably want to take a nap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no kidding. I feel like most people just want to go in there and have, like, a bath, you know, like, a nap. Maybe a massage or something, you know. Yeah, no, no kidding. This movie had, a, I mean, you saw a little bit of it in Escape Plan, just with the prison design and the set design. Yeah. Um... But this movie definitely had way more of a sci-fi oh, big b- time. bend to it. And it was just totally unconvincing. I mean, we we talked a little bit about, in our last episode, about prison movies that work and prison movies that don't work. And how Escape Plan took a lot of the things that do work in these escape movies and and managed to get away from some of the things that didn't. Yeah. And this movie seems like it took all of that stuff that was left over. Mm-hmm. And all these cliches and tropes and just executed them as poorly as possible. Forget, like, Escape from Alcatraz. This is like Escape from Alcatravesty. Yeah, it is. It, it is. I mean, I don't know where all this fancy gear was uh, in Escape Plan 1, but there's a medical robot. There's, at one point, these guys, are they have to fight in the ring while wearing, um, like, some kind of teleporting handcuffs. Holy shit, I forgot about the robot floating around. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> that was weird. Yeah, it, it's really, really going for this heightened yeah. sci-fi logic. Yeah, one of the, the character that they have to befriend inside is like a, a weird group of people who are all... Pay- they all look like the guys from the movie Powder. <laughs> Legion. Count they're, Zero. Count Zero. Yeah, they're all like um, cyber hackers of like the highest order, but there's three of them and they all look kind of identical. And it's because no one's allowed to know which one is Count Zero. So they just walk around saying, we are Legion, we are Legion. I hated them. They were the sort of creations that I feel like you could put in a different movie and they would be really cool and memorable. In this movie, I hated them every time they showed up. Yeah, it wasn't really clear why they were there. Uh, The guards are all armed with uh, machine guns that shoot tasers. I don't think that's how tasers work. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> and they're led by Titus Welliver, who's a really, really good character actor. Why he's in this, I have no idea. Maybe because he saw Stallone's name on there and thought, well, this has some pedigree, I guess. Was he the zookeeper? Yeah, he was. Anyone who self-describes themselves or introduces themselves as the zookeeper, yeah, is not on my Christmas card list. Yeah, no, I he he was. Kind of forgettable. You know, you look at what Jim Caviezel did in the first Escape Plan as a villain. And, I mean, Titus Welliver is just nowhere near that. Titus Welliver's character is really what I hate seeing in action movies, which is really generic villains who just don't have any quirkiness or oddness to them. Yeah, and then, I mean, ultimately, you have Xiaoming Huang, who, um, as far as I can tell, is probably actually a genuinely talented martial artist. Certainly, they yeah. made, made the character Shu out to be just uh, an absolute force to be reckoned with in, in hand-to-hand combat. And then inexplicably you have uh, Titus Welliver as the zookeeper. 
the final battle is like him in a knife fight with Shu. And that's at a point in the movie where this prison warden hasn't fought anyone. He hasn't shown that he's tough at all. He's just like uh, kind of slightly overweight character actor going up against <laughs> a martial artist with a knife. It just seems like a bad idea. You know who's going to win. Yeah, it's really anticlimactic. Like there's no suspense to it whatsoever. And you know what, though? I, mean, I will... Titus, Titus Willoughby does what he can with it, I sure, guess. Sure, I guess. But, I mean, you can't do anything with this material. And, like, this movie's directed by Stephen C. Miller. I want to get that name out there because this thing's a disaster piece. Um, but, like, yeah, the other villain, Wes Chatham's character, I mean, like, oh, my God. If you think Titus Welliber's character is boring, the main villain of this movie is the worst. He is so, so bland. And that when you had this big final fight between him and uh, Xiao Ming Huang's character, like, it's just like air deflating from a room. <laughs> like, when he died, I was like, whatever. Is this thing over yet? Yeah, I actually paused the movie um, at least three or four times throughout just for no other purpose than to check what the running time was on it. What did you think of everything involving Breslin and his team? The team we actually, you know saw the characters from the first movie well that was the thing too is they they kind of repeat the three mantras from the original escape plan or the three rules you got to know your location or you got to know the layout you got to have somebody helping you and you got to know the routine yeah but then the team themselves uh i mean they all get put in this prison together i don't know why yeah uh i guess it was ultimately to catch ray breslin was the plan yeah i guess Again, similar to what we were talked about in, in Escape Plan 1, if, if they really want him dead that badly, just shoot him. He's not bulletproof. In fact, you even know where he's working all the time. Yeah, you don't. What, the one thing you don't want to do is take the world's best escape artist and, again, put him in a prison. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but there wasn't even really a plan. They talked a lot about these rules or mantras, and uh, they... You know, managed to get a cook on board. They managed to get these hackers on board. All those guys got killed, by the way, so don't team up with uh, this crew. Right. But there was no real plan, as far as I could tell. They just ended up fighting a bunch of guys and escaping. Yeah, like, that's the really lame part of this movie among, well, there's many lame parts. But just the fact that, like, when you watch that first one, it's about precision. It's a character who's very specific in the techniques he's using to break out of these prisons. And maybe they're absurd, but at least the movie's telling you how the Ray Breslin character is doing it. This movie cannot even be bothered doing that. It can't, it doesn't have either the confidence or the, <laughs> the coherence to convey how Zhao Ming Huang's character can break out of a prison. So it's just like throws a bunch of shit at the wall and is like, okay, now there's a fight and they all break out. Like that's the kind of the way it goes. It's not uh, in any way, like a smart film with good ideas. It's just like, let's use the escape plan name, slap that on video boxes, and hopefully someone will buy it because they like the first one. And don't even really put it much effort into this. Now, now, what did you think about the the conceit in the movie that the the prison or the big reveal that the the reason the prison was so hard to map out was because it had been designed by this shadow organization? Sure. And that it was always moving. So the parts of the prison were always moving. So wing A was never in the same spot. And wing B was never in the same spot. Yeah. And all that. I mean, did you buy that at all? I mean, in a different movie it could have worked, totally. But in this movie, like, 
this movie just doesn't have the smarts to make that an interesting reveal. The boat in the first movie, when they reveal the boat, they actually play off of that the rest of the movie as to how they have to use that environment and the knowledge that it's a boat to escape the prison. This one, like the rotating stuff, sure, it, it just gives them like a momentary thing to overcome, but it's not an interesting development that leads to like any sort of exciting thrills or, or action or anything. Yeah, I actually think about another kind of similar escape movie with a bit of a similar sci-fi vibe, which was a Canadian production called Cube, yeah. which was released, I guess, in probably the early 2000s and, and spawned uh, a, a series of diminishing sequels. Yeah, um, it was directed by Vincenzo Natale, who did some interesting movies like Splice. That's right, yeah. And you take a movie like that, which was filmed on a pretty shoestring budget on a single set. The plot of the movie is very similar. It's a group of people who need to escape a series of rooms with traps in them. They discover that these rooms are moving and need to work together and use certain complementary skills in order to get out mm -hmm. uh, while avoiding danger. And, I mean, that movie was um, fairly effective at doing that. And you take a movie like that and then you put it next to a movie like this, which has the same basic concept. I mean, I would be extraordinarily surprised if these guys making Escape Plan 2 about a prison with moving walls that they need to get out of hadn't seen Cube. Yeah. And and pulled from it. You know, and it just it just doesn't work. You, you look at these two movies side by side and you're like, okay, well one kind of works and the other one is just an absolute disaster. Well, like for a really good director, a shoestring budget and limitations will really open up their imagination to what they can do. I remember M. Night Shyamalan saying he wanted to make movies where he couldn't afford anything and it was like, well, here's a character in a room. How did he get to this room? How is he going to get out of this room? You know, really tackled the idea of the environment of what that shoestring budget allows you. You know, can you afford a chair? Great. How is that involved in the movie? You know, and so like you'll see a lot of these great directors, John Carpenter, etc., who had no money at the start of their careers and what they could do with their imagination. This movie, though, falls into the other side of the shoestring budget um, phenomenon, where you give a filmmaker a shoestring budget, they crank something out quickly with zero effort, and it goes directly to video or to the bargain bin. And that's the point of it. Like, it's, I don't think anyone was invested in making something good here. I would be shocked if they were. I don't know. I mean, even Stallone, I think, has gone uh, and given interviews where he said that this was one of the worst produced yeah. movies that he's ever been involved in. So, uh, like, I can't imagine Stallone and, for that matter, like, Dave Bautista or even, like, Jamie King going into a movie like this and just expecting it to be this bad or accepting that it would be this bad. Like, they might not have thought it was going to be, like, the, the hit of the summer, but they must have thought that something good was going to come of it. Like, these guys aren't that hurting for work that they need to just pick up trash projects. And, like, Stallone had, like, a real, like, you know, twinkle of life to him in the first escape plan. He looks so bored in this movie. Like, this feels like the kind of, you know, direct-to-video Bruce Willis performance. Like, Stallone is just phoning it in, and it doesn't even really feel like the same character anymore. It just is really dull. Dave Bautista, who I really like in the, you know, the Guardians movies, he was great in Spectre, he was great in Blade Runner uh, 2049, but like here, he's just kind of showing up. He looks like he's wearing what he normally wears, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like his normal street clothes, but he just kind of pops in, has like, what do you think, five minutes of screen time, about that? Maybe ten. Maybe ten. 
Yeah, he like fires a shotgun, you know, that sort of stuff. And I'm sure collected a paycheck and walked out after like three days of shooting or two days of shooting. Yeah, he literally never goes into the prison. No. And like, yeah, Stallone does a little more in the latter half because for the first section, I really did spend a lot of time trying to figure out how many days Stallone had shot on this thing. Stallone goes into the prison literally an hour into the movie. Do you think he shot a week? Maybe. Maybe? Yeah. I was thinking maybe a week. Maybe. But yeah, like these guys don't feel like they're invested in it. It just feels lazy, inept, well, and I, just using their star power to try and sell a couple DVDs. Yeah, and just using baffling plot devices like Shu is in there to, and he's protecting his cousin who's got these patents and doesn't want to reveal the the main patent to the bad guy. Which I'm just going to throw out there, uh, as far as I know, uh, a patent is literally uh, like a public thing that you can review that gives a lot of details about this thing that you are inventing. And you do that in order to protect your intellectual property rights about an invention. It's not a secret. It's not like, <laughs> it's not something that, uh, you know, an evil warden would shake you down for. They just go to the patent office and say, oh, can I see patent 16009, please? Yeah. Because, um, uh, you know, this, this guy in this prison's invented something. I'm going to maybe check it out. And then, and then, if they used it, it would be up to him to sue them. Uh, I mean, that's what patents are for. They're, they're, they're legal devices. Um, I think what they're referring to when they say patents is actually just, you know, inventions, generally. <laughs> or, like, code. Yeah. To me, like, when you really think about this, like this movie, and it is a vapor movie you'll forget within days, I feel like the only things that are going to stick with me are Legion, because I hate them, um, Secret Patents... And the fact that Pete Wentz from Fallout Boy shows up as a hacker in one brief, completely forgettable scene. There's not really a point to the scene. I think he uh, he gives Dave Bautista. I can't even remember. He gives him a password or a chocolate bar or um, <laughs> yeah. a new hat or something like that. I, I can't remember what he did. It's something useless. Uh, so I don't know. Ultimately, I, 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 uh, this movie doesn't have anything to offer. No, I feel like this is this, just doing this podcast has put me in a bad mood. Um, like watching this movie, like I watched it after work one day. By work, of course, I mean the full time job that is Arnie Geddon. Right. But you know, I threw it on, and yeah, I was just like, oh, like I, I went to bed, and I just like lay awake for a little bit at night, thinking like, man, like I could have done something else. Yeah. I, I could have done my laundry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, when I watched it, it was a night off, I didn't have to work the next day, and so I watched Escape Plan 2 Hades, and it was so awful that when it was over, I was like, that can't be my night, so I ended up, I put on a movie called Metal, A Headbanger's Journey, it was a documentary um, about kind of the history of heavy metal, and it was actually really entertaining, so I was able to walk out of that night and be like, I did watch a good movie that night, I also watched something atrocious, but... At least I'll get a you know half hour podcast out of that. Yeah. Well, my plan was to do a double header and watch Escape Plan Two Hades and Escape Plan Three Extraction in one sitting. Yeah. And that didn't happen. No, we will do Escape Plan Three, but uh, well, I don't know. We said we were going to do it, but we're uh, in. We're in. We're gonna have to have an offline conversation. I'm down. I'm doing it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I mean, maybe uh, normally our podcasts, like we say, are about uh, you know. 
anywhere from an hour to 90 minutes. But I'm ready to wrap it up. What do you say, Cam? Yeah, I think that's all that ever needs to be said about Escape Plan 2, Hades. It sucks. Don't watch it. But uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. <laughs> and, and I just want to apologize to everyone out there who frantically, you know, went ran to their Netflix and to watch Escape Plan 2 in preparation for this podcast episode. Yeah, I, I'm genuinely sorry. Uh, if, if I had anything to do with you watching Escape Plan 2, I apologize. But we do recommend you watch Escape Plan 3. <laughs> I don't make that recommendation. <laughs> Uh, I may or may not suffer through it, depending on how this conversation goes with Cam once we're off the air. Right. Okay, so that wraps up Escape Plan 2 Hades, uh, which is definitely Hades to endure. Okay, so Tony, what are we doing next time? Well, we mentioned it at the end of our uh, Escape Plan episode. We're going to be doing Call the Conqueror, also known as Conan 3. That's right. We're actually going to talk about Schwarzenegger again. I wish he'd been an escape plan too. Not for his career, because that would have been terrible, but it would have been nice just to have him on screen for like 30 seconds. Well, I wish he'd agreed to do Conan 3 so that we could be reviewing a, a Schwarzenegger movie instead of a Kevin Sorbo movie. <laughs> no kidding. Okay, so you can of course reach us at ArnieGeddonPod at gmail.com or on Twitter at ArnieGeddonPod. Please leave any reviews for us wherever you get podcasts. Tony, how do they get hold of you? Find me, uh, Tony G, Tony like the name, G like the letter, at ArnieGeddon.com. You can also go direct to ArnieGeddon.com, where you can find uh, probably much more satisfying episodes than this one. That's right. Okay, you can, of course, find me on Twitter at CamV as in vehemently against Escape Plan 2 Hades, Smith. Yeah, and um, I don't know, like, usually we just kind of lead off to the next episode, but I'm really sorry, everyone. Sorry.